guys. Good morning to all of you. Come on out of the dark and into the light. Hey, uh, really want to start out by thanking everybody for last uh, last week. You know, you come back to, you know, a service this week and it's kind of like, uh, compared to last week, uh, you know, and I just, I just want to thank everybody that participated, that sang, that volunteered, that decorated, that did everything. Special shout out to Rick Lambera. He usually comes in the evening service. He was here from six in the morning till 8.30 on Sunday night, maybe nine. And then he had to go deliver stuff. So, uh, Rick, if you're watching online, thank you, brother. Thank you for all you did, and we'll see you tonight. Really, really great. And uh, if, you're, if you're a guest here, you say, well, you know, yeah, why are we lifting up these people? Because they're really, really special people that do a lot for our church. In fact, we couldn't do what we do if it weren't for our members. And so really want you to know uh, how important you are. And, and I know that at some point you can play an incredible role in helping God and his church do something special. So we're in, the, we're in the middle of a series. We're, we're kind of getting near the tail end of the movie. Uh, we got one more next week. But I just got to say, uh, today I am super like ready to jump out of my skin about what we're going to talk about today. Uh, and, and for you that, you know, for if you're a guest, this is your first time here, uh, what we've been talking about is this, this series called How to Be Rich. Not how to get rich, but how to be rich. Okay, because there's a lot of programs, a lot of places you can go and learn how to get rich. Okay, we're not talking about that. We're talking about how to be rich. And one of the things that we've looked at in the last few weeks is uh, a lot of us are rich. We just didn't know it. You know, when I talked about it and mentioned it and the opportunities that we have in the United States of America, there was no jumping up and down. There was no shouting. There was no celebration. And the reason is is because you don't feel rich. And so uh, that's what we're addressing and today is so, so, so important what we're going to talk about. But I'm going to do a real quick review where we are because it's been a couple weeks. And if you want to go over this material, there's, there's four sessions that we've gone over so far. This is week five. You can go to our website and look at it. And let me just say this for our small groups. There's discussion questions. These are huge. If you really want the message to go a little deeper and implement it into your life, it means about surrounding yourself with other people, talking about it, having discussion Man, we had a great discussion about Easter on Wednesday night in our small group. It was awesome. And I really continue to celebrate Easter because of our small group. And I love my small group. I uh, don't know where I'd be without, without my small group. Uh, the salsa sure is good, too. Talked about that. That's another message. But go on our website, and you can, you can uh, get the, the, uh, the newsletter. And also, there is a four-month calendar on the website, too. Uh, I think tonight uh, Marcus is going to load it. And it'll be there for you so you'll know what's happening from May to August. Uh, and there's a few things going on. But the reason why we're doing this series is because Americans really stink at being rich. And one of the reasons is, is the more we get as Americans, the less we give away. And that, shows, that tells you something about, you know, how good we are at being rich. And, and that's why we're doing this series, because we, we're not very good at it as Americans. Uh, you may be from another country. You stick around and you hang around America enough and you're going to be the same way all Americans are is you're not going to be very good at being rich and because we don't understand it. So we've been looking at a passage of Scripture in 1 Timothy chapter 6. If you want to, you know, crack your Bible, you can do that. It'll be up on the screen also. But the Apostle Paul gave Timothy some clear instructions on, hey, when you talk to rich people so they can be good at it, here's what I want you to teach them. Here's what I want you to talk to them about. 
And so we've been looking at these different things the last few weeks. We talked about the migration of hope, how, you know, when you get money, your, your hope migrates. You, you start out with trusting in God, and then it migrates into, I'm trusting in my money now. And so we address that. So that's what, what Paul talked about in that. Be careful with that because it's a trap. And then we came up with this phrase, and it's been awesome. I've got it in my wallet. I carry it around with me wherever I go. It's a great reminder that if I get some money, I go to the ATM, whatever it is, I got some money, and I go, listen, I will not put my hope in riches, but in him who richly provides. And so this, this, is, this is a great phrase that we looked at a couple of weeks ago. And this, let's start off with this week. Another one of the things that rich people aren't very good at and, and they have a problem with is this power word, no. Rich people do not like the word no. They don't like being told no, right? In fact, a lot of people don't like being told no. Do you like being told no? Okay, and, and this is huge. Uh, rich people don't like that. Americans don't like that. Especially, hey, teenagers. You guys like being told no? In fact, they, they hate it. Hate it. And, and we don't even like no when we have to tell ourselves no. Okay, we don't even like it when we're the ones telling ourselves no. We don't like that. So we go a long time without saying no, right? And then it, it leads us into trouble. And whenever you bring up the issue of the no word... You're talking about something that's going on inside of us that's called an appetite, you know, a desire. All of us have them. God created us with, a, with an appetite. But whenever you don't include, let me move my, my, my screen here a little closer. I got it, Mike. No, no worries. Okay. Thanks. Thanks for helping out. But whenever you look at this word right here, you know, and it comes to your appetites, Man, if you don't use that word when it comes to your appetites, what happens? Man, you can get yourself into a lot of trouble, right? Because appetites are from God, but when you don't control them and you don't have a good handle on your appetites, it can get crazy. It can get really crazy. And we know people, and some of us know our situation where we've gotten ourselves into a lot of trouble because we didn't say no to ourselves, and so we're going to look at a scripture that talks about that. But, hey, let's just deal with this, this idea, the American Constitution. Brent Franklin came up with this, this, I love this quote. The Constitution only guarantees the American people the right to pursue happiness. You have to catch it yourself. Great quote. And when we talk about no and we talk about, you know, uh, appetites and we talk about Americans don't like no, we, we focus on this word, you know, happiness a lot. Happiness a lot, don't we as Americans? Because it's in our Constitution. You know, and the, the, the fathers of our nation wrote this. They said, every American has the right to pursue happiness. And so what becomes an objective in our life? I want to be happy. Cool thing is, we're going to watch a movie today in church. You ready? Don't you love to come to church and watch a movie? We're only going to watch five minutes of it, okay? I leave the rest to you. It's available online. You can Netflix it, Amazon it. It's there. You can watch it. Okay, I think you can rent it for a couple bucks. Highly recommend it. It's a minute, or it's a, an hour and 15 minutes. It's a documentary, and it's called Happy. I mentioned this last year. Love this movie. I need to watch this movie at least once a year, if not more. 
And it's pure science. It's, it's, it's not religious. It's not something that's pushing the Bible out there. It's science. And I love it when science, science backs up what I believe when it comes to God's word. Because I go, yep, there it is. See, God knows what he's doing. He knows what he's talking about, as if these guys don't. And so what we're going to look at is a five-minute segment. It's the beginning of this movie. And we're going to look at a guy from India. Okay? And it's going to show us what happiness is all about. Then you've got to watch the rest of the movie by yourself, and I highly recommend it. Parents, show this to your families. Okay, so let's lower the lights. Let's watch that five-minute segment. Sorry, I did that. spend so much time and effort focusing on that 10%, but it really doesn't have that much of an influence on our overall happiness. And let me, let me say this. How did you like hearing that a rickshaw driver in, you know, in India, okay, in India is as happy as you are? Average American, and I would go as far as to say this, I would say he is happier than some of you here today. How do you explain that? He lives in a shack with, with a plastic wall alongside of it. He sleeps, he sleeps on bamboo, you know, a bamboo bed, okay? And he, he, he basically pulls a rickshaw all day. You think your job is bad. Did you hear that guy, what he, was, what he has to do every day? And they got this torrential rain, okay, in the summertime. And, I mean, it's, it's horrific. How is it that he's happier than you? How do you explain that? And that's what we're going to talk about today. And it's huge for your life. And God wants this for us. Okay, and, and I know how some of you are feeling, well, this is a ploy to get our money. Listen, I don't want your money. God doesn't need your money. This is about you and your life. And if I could say this to the young people in the room, if you guys get this, wow, what a difference it's going to make in your life and in your future. So let's dive in. Here's what Paul says about happiness. Okay? Same chapter, verse 6. Let's look what he says here. He says, but godliness with what? Say, say it with me. Say it together. Godliness with contentment. Contentment is great gain. This word contentment, what's the synonym for this word? Happiness. Happiness. Okay, and so what Paul is saying here, he's saying godliness with contentment is of great grain. Basically, it's better. How much do we talk about contentment in the United States of America? Will you hear it on the radio? Will you hear it on TV? I mean, is it a conversation that you have at work? Hey, let's all be content. I want to be content. Content, content, content. You never hear it. In fact, you hear the other word a lot. What's the opposite of contentment? Discontentment. Right? We hear that word a lot. I'm discontent. I'm unhappy. Okay? And so what Paul is saying here is, listen, what gets us into trouble is not contentment. What gets us into trouble is what? Discontentment. We go out there and spend a lot of money that maybe we don't have, and we get ourselves in debt because we're discontent. And we think that by buying and having and doing things 
In other words, if we let our appetite go wild, then we can get ourselves into a lot of trouble. So discontentment, discontentment, is, it can lead you to a lot of trouble. But guess what? I got news for you today. The American way is to use this word to get you to buy and spend your money. A lot of you guys don't know this, but I studied uh, business administration with a specialty in marketing. And let me tell you, in marketing, we, we focused on this word a lot. How can we get you to feel discontent about your life? And if, you, if I can get you to feel discontent about your life, then guess what? I can sell you something. And I can sell you more and more and more. And that's how, in these guys, when I was in school years ago, you know, it, it, was, it, was, it was kindergarten. It was playing around. Now it is so, so specific. These guys are expert. They've brought science. They know more about you than you know about yourself. They know how to get to you. And they use this. People use this in high school. Okay, you take that rickshaw driver and you let him go to you with you to high school, right? Give him a cell phone. Give him a cell phone, ordinary cell phone. Let him hang out with you guys in high school, and guess what's going to happen to him after a week? He's going to look at his cell phone. He's going to look at his clothes. He's going to look at around who he's hanging around with, and he's going to say, man, I am discontent. Why? Why am I discontent? Because you got something that I don't have. And guess who's behind all of this? People that are trying to make money, especially off of you guys. And the, uh, parents, because we give our kids money. And they know that they got them, and they get them at an early age. And so we've got to deal and address with this, with this word discontentment because it's huge. Look what else Paul says here. Those who want to get rich fall into temptation and a trap, and into many foolish and harmful desires that plunge people into destruction. Do you know anybody that this has happened to? Yeah, I know, I know that. Been there, done that. I know all about that. Maybe your personal experience. I've done some of that. Okay? And basically it comes back to this, what? Your want, your desire. There's that appetite thing again. That appetite. And all of us have it. You know, some of, the, some of the men in the room, you, you've got an appetite and like, when is this service going to be over? Because I need to eat. My blood sugar is going down. And I need to eat. But basically, when, you're, when your appetite goes unchecked, when your desires go unchecked, look what happens. You fall into temptation and a trap and many foolish and harmful desires that plunge people into destruction. He goes on, says this in, in verse 10. He says, for the love, this is the most misquoted verse in the Bible, okay? For the love of money is the root of all evil. What, is, what do people normally quote this? For money is the root of all evil. Isn't that right? It has nothing to do with money. Money's not the problem. Guess what the problem is? The love of it. In other words, the desire for it. There's that appetite thing again. Okay, it's the love, it's the love of money, it's the root of all kinds of evil. Some people, some people, eager, there's another indicator, appetite word, appetite, desire. Okay, some people eager for money have wandered from the faith and have pierced themselves with many griefs. 
Know anybody that's happened to? I know ministers. Guys, I know ministers. Guys like me. They, 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 they do this, they do this, they, they, they speak and teach and, and, and believe and walk and, 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 and scriptures, and this has happened to them because of an unchecked desire, an unchecked appetite. And this is huge. What can happen if you don't keep your appetites in check? Well, here's the list. You can fall into temptation. You can fall into, you're falling into a trap. You can be controlled by harmful, harmful habits and that, that lead you into unsustainable desires. It can plunge you into ruin. And you can wander from the faith. And when it says here, piercing ourselves, we're not talking about earrings. We're not talking about, you know, a, 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 you know, a, a stud here or here. Or, you know, we're not talking about, we're talking piercing yourself, literally piercing your heart. Do you know that people have abandoned their marriage and family because of an unchecked appetite? They've ruined their lives. They've ruined their family. They've ruined their finances. They've ruined their future because of an appetite unchecked. It went wild. And they weren't aware of what we're talking about today. And so Paul is telling Timothy, listen, this is serious stuff, what we're talking about. In America, the marketers of things, banks, credit cards, they could care less about you and your family. They got one thing on the mind how to get your money and how to get you to buy, buy, buy. And you have to be the one that's responsible for you. And guess what? God is on your side. And I want you to know, if you're a guest here today, I'm trying to help you and we're trying to help you so that these things won't happen in your life. And those of you that have been around the church for a while, you can stand up here and talk for the rest of the morning about how God has saved your marriage, saved your family, saved your saved your career, saved your future, because you got some of this out of your life. Paul goes on, he says, so how do, I, how do I fight this? How do I fight that long list of things? How do I deal with it? He says it to Timothy. He says, hey, Timothy, this is how you're going to win the fight. But you, man of God, flee from all of this and pursue righteousness, godliness, faith, love, endurance, gentleness. Fight the good fight. So what he's saying here is, these three words, these are action words. They're intentional words. If you don't want to ruin your life, then you have the opportunity to engage and intentionally choose a different direction. In other words, you can't go with the current. You can't go with the flow. The whole world and everybody else is going this direction. You gotta make a choice if you don't wanna go down that road and go against the grain a little bit. It's, it's a fight. And we're going to talk about, we're going to talk about that and, and, and avoid getting caught in the discontentment vortex. It literally is a thing that just sucks you right down. And it'll happen to you this afternoon, I promise you. So how, how do we do this? And then he goes on and says, he says in verse 7 and 8, he says, For we brought nothing into the world, and we can take nothing out of it. But if we have food and clothing, we will be what? What's this word again? content with that. Why is the rickshaw driver so happy? Why is he so happy? Because he's got his basic needs met. When you watch that movie, they talk about this limit. 
that once you reach a certain limit of what you have financially, you're set. If you make five, 10, 20 million dollars above that limit, it's not gonna make you any happier. We think it will and we're told we will, but it's not gonna make you any happier. In fact, it could have a reverse effect. Okay, and this is what Paul's talking about. Isn't it amazing that we're, we're, we're smart people. Some of you are college educated. Some of you have master's degrees. Some of you have doctor's degrees. How is it possible that someone so educated can get outwitted, outsmarted by your own desires? Doesn't that make you feel stupid? Makes me feel stupid. I've studied marketing, and they're still getting at me. I know their game. I know what they're up to, and they're still getting me because they're smart. But here's how we can compensate. Here's how we can become, you know, we can, we can have our eyes open by this. And, and well, what's this? Is food and clothing. No internet? No internet? Really? Can't have internet? Now, that's not what we're talking about. We're talking about a balance with everything. And so, you know, th- this, this thing is not easy. And so, I'm going to ask you a series of questions. And this is, this is going to create more tension. How does one find contentment in a media-saturated culture built on an advertising-driven economy? How do you do it? Man, how do you fight this? It's so powerful. Okay, our whole economy is driven by appetites and discontentment. It's huge. Here's another question for you. How do you say enough in a world that has fine-tuned its messaging so as to make you feel continually dissatisfied with everything you currently own. Man, you can have a brand new car and the advertisers have got it down so good that when you drive home, that later that day you're going to start to go, I'm not, I like my car, but now maybe I want that one. And how many of us have had that insatiable desire, just un, I mean, just incredible desire. You've got something on your mind that you want to purchase. It may be burning on you right now. Because I, I can remember times when I get something on the mind, and you go, man, I want to buy that, I want to buy that, I want to buy that, I want to buy that. And you're plotting. You're organizing, and you're waiting for the sale, and you, you, you know, you've got it all worked out, I and mean, you can't get it out of your head. You know, you wake up in the morning, and I've got, I got to get that, i got to get that. And it's all because of this. Okay, and then you go buy it. You go buy it, and what happens? <sighs> Desire goes away, doesn't it? And then a few days later, you got it, and it's like, oh, it's not that big of a deal anymore. I'm not waking up thinking about it like I was before. You know, and it's a crazy, crazy, crazy game. Here's another question for you. How can we rich people? Okay, now, let me just say, in America, in America, all of us in this room are rich. Okay? If you want to, you, you disagree with me on that, and then go back to lesson two and lesson three, and then you can revisit, okay? Because I showed you a website, and you're gonna, you are one of the wealthiest people in the world. Okay? Top 5%. You. Yes. How can we rich people, the ones with extra money, how many of us have got money in our pocket right now? How many of us have got a credit card or a debit card? That's everybody, I think. Okay, pretty much. Extra money will find the power to say no when technically, technically we can afford to say yes. I can buy this, dude. I can afford this. 
I can work it out. I even got credit so that I could pay it off in six months to a year. And then they got these awesome clauses where they go, we'll give you till December of 2015 to pay it off, to start your payments. Wow, really? I mean, I can have it for free till 2015. I don't have to make one single payment. I can have it in my pocket and use it or drive it or anything and not till 2015 have to make a single payment on it. Isn't that amazing? How do you say no to that? Okay, and this is very powerful, isn't it? Isn't it very, 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 very powerful what we're up against? So how, how can we combat this threat? Last three questions. I got one word for you. Okay, you ready? It's a power word. It's more powerful than no. Okay, it's a huge word. And so this is the one you're gonna need to write down. This is the one you need to plug into your phone. Okay, or whatever you're taking notes with if you are. And if you're not taking notes, borrow a pen. Write this one down. Write it on your hand in ink. Okay, it's huge, it's huge. Okay, you ready for the word? Here it is. Awareness, awareness, awareness. It's a huge word. Because it can make the difference between you going this direction or this direction. How is it that the marketers convince you that you need a product? They create this. They make you aware of your discontentment. Okay, in, in school, how do they get you to buy a new phone? I'll tell you how it happens. Your friend walks up and he goes, dude, check out my new phone, man. And you're like, what? That's crazy. Where'd you get that? How did you get that? Uh, mom's got it for me. You know, I did all this work and I got it. And so what do you go home with? And, and three months ago, you were the one walking up to the group with the, with the phone, right? Or the, or, the, or the clothes or the whatever it is. Guess what they created in you? Discontentment. This doesn't just work for products, guys. Let me, let me, let me break it down for you. This works in marriages. Some people have left their spouse because our media world tells you this is what you need to be content. And you're not content because she's not, he's not. Everything that you fill in the blank. Okay, so awareness, it's huge. And media, the media works really hard. People work really hard to make you aware that you are discontent. Okay, now, now here's where you can get powerful with it. You can intentionally, and this is what Paul talked about, you can decide to go this direction and make yourself aware so you can be content. Okay, what are we talking about? Okay, media uses, you can intentionally immerse yourself in environments that open your eyes to how well you have it. Okay, for example, this afternoon, there is a parents special, of, of special needs children fair going on in West Covina right over here, in Cortez Park. Some of you who have children, it would benefit you so much to go there and serve because you can surround yourself with families that have special needs children. And let me tell you, it is hard for some of these parents. And some of you have very healthy, perfectly healthy children, and you go to that fair, and you serve these families, and you help these families, and you go, man, 
I am so blessed as a parent. I am so blessed. Some of you need to serve the poor and the needy in our community. Do you know why you need to serve the poor in the community? Yeah, it's a good thing to do, but it opens your eyes. Go serve the poor, the, the homeless. You know, we threw a Super Bowl party in, in, in a couple months ago. It was awesome for the homeless in Pomona. Man, I walked away going, God, thank you, thank you, thank you so much because I became aware. Some of you need to go on a mission trip. You need to get outside of the United States of America and you need to see how the rest of the world, especially younger people, you need to see how the rest of the world lives. You need to become aware. Aware. Because when we live our lives like this with the blinders on and the only thing you're taking in is what the media is spewing out, and what your friends at work are spewing out. Guess what happens? There's no competition. You're going straight down. You're going straight down into discontentment. But if you and I intentionally, and that's why I think church is so awesome because we talk about things that help us combat this and they make us aware, and I think it's so awesome to get involved in helping the community, serving the poor, doing things outside of us that require giving because you walk away with perspective. It's awesome. When's the last time that you did something like that? And if it's been a while, I guarantee you this is probably what's going on inside of your life. A lot of discontentment. And it's, it's very sad. Okay? Very, very sad. So cultivating awareness intentionally and immersing yourself in good things can really, really help you. Increase your awareness. Increase your awareness of what's what. Okay? And this is what they've done in the, in, 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 in the, in the marketing world. Is they've used to be a time where you, when you bought something new, you were replacing it because the thing that you had before was broken. Remember? Right? They, they've gotten so good at this marketing thing that you don't even have to have a broken thing. It can be working awesome. And instead of replacing it, what do you do with it? Upgrade it. Upgrade it. Do you really need it? But they've told you you do. Here's how it works. The new operating system that was running with this new app, you can't use it on your old system because it needs more hard drive memory. So you're, you're fried, right? If you want the new app, you've got you to gotta get the bigger hard drive, don't you? Okay, and, and if you want to save, if you want to save the environment, if you want to save the world, you've got to get an environmentally friendly car. Don't, who, wants to, who wants to create, you know, more, you know, toxic gases and, and global warming? Who wants to do that? And I don't want to ruin the planet. Who wants to ruin the planet? And my old car is ruining the planet. So they've told me that if I want to save the planet and I want to save money, sa save money, I got to go get this environmentally friendly car. Nay, I'm not bashing, guys. I'm just trying to make a point. I think we need to protect the earth. But I'm th what I'm saying is behind all that rhetoric, okay, you got to be aware of this stuff going on. And the way is Paul is trying to help us understand contentment is a huge thing, but you've got to, and now we're going to, change directions a little bit and talk about the greatest aware, awareness of all. Okay? This is huge. What we're going to talk about now. I'm going to share with you about 
people's objectives in their lives, okay? People have goals. Some people, they want to provide for their families when it comes to making money and wealth. They want to provide for their families. Is that bad? No, it's not bad. Okay, another one is they want to make as much as possible. Uh, shaky, right? Shaky. And other people, they want to save as much as possible. Well, the Bible talks about saving money. That could be decent, right? And the last one is people want to spend as much as they can. Why? Because why shouldn't you enjoy it? You got it, right? Spend it. What are your kids going to do with it if you don't, spend, you don't spend it? What are they going to do with it? They're going to spend it. They're going to waste it. So I got to take care of it. Spend it. I might as well enjoy it. I'll give them some, but I got to take care of me. So here's a completely, totally different objective that I want to introduce to you today. Some of you know about this, but it's, it's the best and the highest objective you can have for living. And when it comes to accumulating wealth and getting yourself and, 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 and doing well with what you have. We're going to talk about King David briefly. He was a king that went through a really, really, really rough road to get to the kingdomship. He, he basically went through wars, scandals, there was blood, there was, there was tears, there was betrayal, I mean a lot of stuff, and that was just to get to being the king. He arrived and became king, won a lot of wars. His desire was he wanted to lift up the people of Israel and make them a great nation, and he succeeded. He t- basically single-handed in his leadership, along with his, his, his warriors and everybody else, with God's help, he basically elevated Israel to be a superpower. Ask any Jewish person who's the greatest king, who's the greatest leader that ever walked as a, as a king. They'll tell you either Moses or King David. Right outside here, there's a star. It's called David's Star. People, they, they love David because David elevated the nation of Israel. Huge. And I believe we can learn something from him. Because when he arrived, when he arrived at wealth and he arrived at the top, he was a superpower. Basically, people from everywhere were sending money to David and his kingdom. They were on the take. And they had to pay him so that David would not invade them and conquer them. He already conquered them once, but if you don't want me to conquer you again, send me money. That's how it worked in, the, in those days. So he's incredibly wealthy. And so it got to a point, and, and, and before that, the people of Israel were like nomads. They lived in tents, and they, they traveled from place to place. But with time, they got established. And so David, at his peak, built himself a palace. It's a pretty awesome palace. But he's looking and he's got this palace and then he looks outside his window and he sees the temple or the tabernacle of God. And guess what the tabernacle of God was at that time when he looked out the window? It's a tent. He's going, man, here I am living in this awesome palace filled with all this stuff in God's house. God's house is a tent. And so he had it on his heart. He said, God, I want to build you a temple. I want to do something amazing for you because you've blessed us, and I want to honor you because of what you've done for me. And so he he basically started this special contribution. Special, and they didn't call it missions contribution, but he started a missions or a, a special contribution that year. And they took up so much money. And David, from his own personal treasury, Okay, because you got the people's treasury, then his own personal treasury. Scholars have estimated that David gave out of his own personal treasury 
talking dollars today, whatever they were then, denarii, uh, denarius, uh, in that times, $14 billion he gave out of his own personal treasury. His money, what he had. He says, I'm going to take $14 billion. Now, when's the last time you've heard of a Forbes top 10 wealthiest person giving $14 billion to God? Amazing. Let's look at the heart behind it. Let's, let's read what David said here. First Chronicles 29. Encourage you, highly encourage you to read this yourself. He says, Praise be to you, Lord, the God of our fathers, Israel, from everlasting to everlasting. Yours, Lord, is the greatest and is the greatness and the power and the glory and the majesty and the splendor for everything in heaven and on earth is whose? It's yours. It's yours. After all this wealth that David amassed, he had a perspective, an awareness. Remember the word, the awareness word. He had an awareness that whose is it? It's all God's. Verse 11, he says, Yours, Lord, is the kingdom. You are exalted as head over all. Basically, he says this, it's all about you, God. It's all about you. And he goes on in verse 12. He says, wealth and honor come from you. You are the ruler of all things. In your hands are strength and power to exalt and to give strength to all. Now, so he's not just talking about wealth. He's talking about something that we use every day to produce wealth. What is that? Strength. What gave you the ability to get up this morning? What's going to give you the ability to go to work tomorrow? Strength. Whatever you do, it's strength. David goes back and he says, even the strength, even the talent, even the ability that I have to do anything, anybody who tells you, it's all about me. They lack awareness and they lack perspective. They do not understand what life is about. And they are short-sighted and they're going to be taken. And it's sad, but David had an incredible awareness. He goes on, and he's basically saying this. David was declaring that everything belongs to God. Everything. Everything that he had, it's yours. Everything comes from God, and everything is dispensed by God. Wow. That's huge, isn't it? Now, have you ever done an inventory of all your stuff? And I gotta say this, guys, this is so, so anti-American. This. So anti-American. You wanna know what the American way is? This is mine. I worked hard for this. And I am entitled to do whatever I want with it. Isn't that right? Who tells you this? Commercials tell you this. You get bombarded with this all the time. Dude. You've worked hard. You work hard. You deserve this. You're entitled to this. You should buy this. Whoa, wait a minute. Why you got to talk about the buying? Your thing. Because that's the way it works. See, when you create this mindset that it's mine, I can have a little of yours. But if it's God's, now we're talking about you got to make a decision. A very hard decision. You got to maybe think about no. 
You've got to evaluate and say, is this a good use of his money? What he has given me. David had this objective. Okay, so let me break it down for you. He was incredibly aware he had this objective, to honor the one who gave us the ability and the opportunity. Whatever I have, whatever I have, it came from God. And because it came from God, whether it's my talent and ability, he will say, well, you know, I've gone through great sacrifices. I've worked hard for my money, and I think I deserve, wait, whoa, 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 whoa. If you're a deep, intelligent, truly grounded person, you're going to stop for a minute, and you're going to ask some questions, and this is what I do. I suggest for some of you that you go and you sit next to somebody, you and your healthy body, and you sit next to a guy with cerebral palsy, and you ask the question, why me, Lord? How come I am healthy, and how come I am well, and he or she is not? It's not fair, is it? Have you ever really spent any time with a homeless person? Do you know that the majority of them are mentally ill? Something went wrong in their brain. It's sad. It's sad. Because when you're talking to them, you're looking them in the eye, and you're going, man, this person is not well. And I have a cousin, he's a neurosurgeon, and he broke this down for me, he says, and he's a science, he says, listen, Our brains are so fragile. If you have the slightest short circuit in your brain, an electric short circuit in your brain, like that, you're crazy. Like that, you lose your mind. That's what happens to people, and it's sad. Why am I sharing all this with you? Because it's awareness, guys. It's awareness. Everybody has been given a different situation and all of us need to be grateful for what we have. We need to be aware. If it's been given to me by God, then what do I need to do with it? If you understand where it came from and how blessed you are to have what you have, and I know you've got tough circumstances. All of us got our issues, but I want to look at the glass half full. Okay? That's a being aware. I want to honor God with what he's given me. And this has to do not just with money. This has to do, if you've got a job and you have the opportunity to grow your job, what should you do with it? Honor God with it. Be ambitious. Grow your career. If you're in college, be ambitious. If you're in school, be ambitious. Why? Because if you do that, you will honor God with the ability because somebody else in some part of the world doesn't have the opportunity to go to a five-star high school that some of you go to or a four three-star college they don't have that opportunity they never will get to go to college they're gonna have to work pulling a rickshaw for the rest of their life that's just how it is okay I spent enough time I'm preaching here, aren't I? it's important so so important and let's land here we're gonna finish up the giving myth giving myth some of you guys are you're familiar with church, right? When you get $10, okay, let me break it down for you. I got the money right here, okay? You get $10. Here it is. $10. Let me break it down real simple, okay? Those of you that know about, you know, what the Bible teaches, okay, if you get $10, what should you do with this? Give it to God, right? It's his part. This is God's part. 
my part, God's part, right? That's what we do. Now, what happens when this is not $1 bills? What happens if it's $10 bills? What's happens? What happens when it's $100 bills? Okay? What happens if this is a million dollars? They don't make them anymore, but what happens to the $10,000 bills? You got a million dollars here in your hand. What happens is, is you look at that 10% and you go, that hundred grand, and it's just not coming out like it used to. When it was a dollar, it was easy. But now that it's 10 grand, you're going, 10 grand to God? Really? What's he going to do with it? Does he really need it? I mean, he's got it all, right? I need it. All right, so let's just do, let's do, let's do a little evaluation. This is God's. This is yours. Here's the giving myth. This is God's. This is God's. The ability to make this and have this made in America comes where? Do you believe that? Some of you got some questions. You know why? Because it's asking something of you. And if you have a problem with this, you're going to have a lot more problems coming down the road. And it's going to get very complicated for you. And Paul's doing this, and the Bible talks about David said, listen, God, I'm going to give you this, 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 this. $14 billion. I'm giving it. Even this, I know where it came from. You need some more? Here it is. I know all of this. Okay, who wants this? I don't, I don't need it. I need it for later tonight. Come back at 530, I'll give it away. The giving myth. Let me talk about this real quick. In 2015, King Tut's exhibit is coming to San Diego, the, the, the Museum of Natural Science uh, in San Diego. Do you know how much money is going to roll into the Museum of Natural Science in 2015? Do you know how much money the, the, the exhibit is worth? King Tut's exhibit. It's priceless. You can't put a dollar value on it because it's historic and it's literally gold. They got a thousand pieces in this exhibit. It's crazy. They got high security. So the government of Egypt is going to loan the exhibit to the Museum of Science, Natural Science in San Diego. Okay? What do you think the Egyptian government expects of the Museum of Natural Science in San Diego? Do they expect them to take care of 10% of the exhibit? No. How much do they expect them to take care of? All of it. All of it. How much does God expect you and me to take care of? Hey, let me break it down for you. Everything you have is on loan. Two things. Okay? You're either going to give it away or you're going to lose it. That's just how it's going to work. When you die, you can't take it with you. So you either give it away or you lose it. Okay, but you're never going to be able to hold on to it. Paul just said it. Into this world we come in with nothing. And we're going to leave it with nothing. 
So let's administrate it. I guarantee you there's going to be high security. The Museum of Natural Science are going to take real good care of this exhibit. They always do. And this actually was a poster from the New York City. And everything was intact. Everything was accounted for because they took real good care of it. Here's the thing. God does not want your money. He doesn't want to take your money. He just wants, he wants your money not to take you. And some of you, your money owns you. It's got you. It's got you. You live for it, and you may die for it. You may ruin your family. You may ruin your marriage for it. You're ruining your relationships for it. God's saying, listen, guys, and this is the whole reason why we're doing this lesson. He does not want that for you. He, He wants you to be like that rickshaw driver. Now, you don't have to go out in the hot sun and sandals and things, but he wants you to be happy with what you have. Man, you're so blessed. You've got so much, and somebody's telling you you're not content. But you've got to stop and count your blessings, and you've got to intentionally make yourself aware how blessed you are. Okay? This is a great verse, and we're going to celebrate communion on this verse. Just as the Son of Man, how can you trust God? Because God's a giver. And he doesn't ask to ask you for your permission to take your money. You ever notice that? If he wants it, he can get it. He can get it from you. He doesn't need it. But that shouldn't make us feel uncomfortable because God is a giver. God is a giver. Look at this verse. Just as the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve and to do what? Give. God came to give. So if God's a giver, maybe we can learn something from him. And in the process, be content. So with this verse, I want to encourage you. And I I want to encourage you to decide today that you're going to be a giver. And it's not just about your money. It is about your time. It's about your heart. It's about your talents and your abilities. Do it like David with the objective. And and here's, here's the closing thought. What would it look like for you to honor? What would it look like for your for you to honor God with all your stuff, misspelled. What would it look like for you to honor God with your stuff? How would things change? And you might just find that you're extremely happy over it. Let's pray for the communion. Father, we thank you so much for this teaching, God. I personally am so grateful because I need this. I'm thankful for Jesus that he came to die and to bleed and to be bruised and beaten for me so that I could start over and I could be saved and get my sins forgiven. And that I can begin a a covenant with you, an agreement, a pact, God, that you love me and that you're going to be with me no matter what. God, we thank you for that gift. Thank you for Jesus. We honor him now and we honor his body. We honor his life. We honor you, God, in this communion. Thank you that we can celebrate his death, burial, and his resurrection. We love you, God. It's in Jesus' name we pray.